Welcome back to another Box to Box WSL episode. I'm Alexi Batis. I, I'm going to restart that because I can't say my own name. It's good that you can't say your own name. You should keep that in for all the people who've tried to shout you out of class yeah. and not been able to say your name. Yeah, I can't they say deserve to hear that. <laughs> well, all right, I'll leave it in then. Well, I'm Alex Ibaceta, your host. And... As usual, I'm joined by Jesse Parker Humphreys and Abdul Abdullah for a Women's Champions League semi-final roundup. We have the final two, finally. And as some of our listeners saw on our Twitter page, we asked for listener questions for this episode. And we'll get to those in the last section uh, once we go over the, the matches in general. But thank you to everyone who sent those in. And for those who didn't, you have to follow our Twitter to keep up. Um, and we have our finalists, May 16th, Barcelona versus Chelsea, Alex versus Jesse, Abdullah and Jesse versus Alex. Um, <laughs> Wefa confirmed the time and it's 8 p.m. UK time on May 16th in Gothenburg. Jesse, we were there together yesterday at the Chelsea game. How are you feeling the day after? I'm buzzing. I'm, I still haven't recovered. I've just been on cloud nine for the whole day today all of the end of yesterday just I think it's the best football match I've ever been at it was amazing yeah it was definitely I have a video of you jumping up <laughs> jumping up around <laughs> in the in the final whistle I was I was there on my laptop we got there early to watch the Barcelona game um and I obviously the last 15 minutes of the Barca game interfered with the first 15 minutes of the Chelsea Bayern match so I was there I'm kind of in my own little world in, in the corner of my seat, just watching the Barca game. Um, and obviously that ended really well. So, but we'll go in order of play and we'll start with Barcelona versus PSG that finished 2-1 yesterday and 3-2 on aggregate. A pod favorite, Mariona, was on the bench for this match and Liki Martin stepped in and went on the left wing. And there you go. What a change because she got Barca's both goals. She got a brace. The first one coming in eight minutes into the match from a brilliant pass over the top from Leila Wahabi, who is said to be Barcelona's weakness. What a weak player to have to, to put in that ball over the top. Uh, Liga Martins just a first time um, shot into the back post. I mean, what a finish. Only that finish could beat Cristian and Ler. It curled beautifully past Ender's fingertips, literally, and just slid into the side netting of the back post. It was exquisite. She made that look so easy, and that is such a hard finish to do. And the second was a really good footwork from Caroline Graham Hansen on the right wing, as usual, dancing her way into the box and just casually slipped in across between all the PSG defenders. And Martins made a really good run um, in the back post and just an easy tap in an open net. Um, though Maria Antoinette Catoto did make things a bit more spicy, um, just two minutes after Martins left it 2-0, a really poorly defended corner um, left the ball loose in the box and Catoto was just simply there to poke it into the back of the net and PSG were back in the game just like that. Um, and, you know, Barca had chances, PSG had chances, Second half wasn't fun to watch. Um, you know, PSG just needed one goal and that's it. Just one goal and they were through. And, you know, Barcelona could extend their lead, so they had to defend to not lose it. It was as simple as that. Um, and you felt that. You felt that Barcelona... What I liked about it is that Barcelona didn't simply just sit back and defend. 
because they were they were still looking to get that goal and PSG were attacking that they were counterattacking pretty well they could have easily gone in it just like Barcelona could have easily extended their lead um but nothing happened and Jesse a very even and entertaining match what do you think of it yeah i thought this was a a really enjoyable game i thought Barcelona were pretty like really good for for large swathes of the game and it's hard because obviously I watched some of it live with you, Alex, but then I also watched it back today. And it's always hard when you watch games back to not read the narrative that you already know is there over it. But watching it again today, it did really feel like Barcelona were in control for large periods of this game, certainly more so, I think, than in the first leg. You know, I was a bit disappointed at the end with PSG. I kind of felt like they could have thrown more at Barca towards the end and, and as you say Alex the the way Barcelona kept going forward I think that actually like really put PSG off in some ways but you kind of wonder in hindsight whether you think it's a bit like um, the Bayern situation which we'll come on to is it sometimes worth giving up that extra goal for knowing that you really threw everything at that last 10 minutes because ultimately the end is the same you've gone out it doesn't matter if you lose 2-1 or 3-1 but if you've got that opportunity to maybe get that equaliser to go through is that worth it yeah I thought Barcelona actually felt a lot more dynamic going forward at points than than maybe they did in the first leg I thought yeah that first Lika Martins goal was just incredible she hit that like it was a a tap-in it was crazy Um, and yeah I, I thought again there was like lots of interesting little bits I thought the way Hermoso was dropping back um again I was kind of starting to think about this with the Chelsea hat on like how how will Chelsea like look to deal with that um because I felt like PSG gave her quite a lot of space in doing that I didn't really feel like their midfield looked to pick her up um and I thought also the other interesting thing that really stood out to me was how deep Sandy Baltimore ended up playing for lots of this game I felt like Barcelona did really well again by this you know being on the the front foot for lots of the game it felt like it naturally pushed those PSG attacking PSG players back and again just starting to think about Chelsea it's interesting because Chelsea don't really play with those natural like wide forwards so much so again it'll be interesting to see how Barcelona use their fullbacks when maybe there's more space there and, and there isn't that that forward to sit back and defend a bit more and, and what that might look like in that kind of matchup. Yeah and you touched there a bit of how Barcelona were a bit more dynamic in the second leg compared to the first leg, especially. And we talked about it last episode also um, about Keira Hamraoui or Patrick Guijaro in that CDM role in the middle. Um, and we definitely saw Barcelona have a, a bit more, um, well, I think a lot more ball control the second leg than they had in the first leg. Um, but then we didn't see that aggressiveness. Um, you saw Mapi Leon having to step up quite a lot um, from her centre-back position. Um, but obviously that element of aggressiveness didn't disappear entirely. I thought um, Aitana Bonmati had a really good def- defensively good game. She tracked back quite a lot and she was really aggressive of, of pushing you know, people like Sandy Baltimore off the ball. But there was certainly less of a focus in that six role in terms of defensively, in terms of aggressiveness. You know, Patri, we know that she's more of a ball distributor than anything else. Um, but Abdullah, what suits Barcelona more in these situations? You know, going against these aggressive um kind of attacks you know obviously you know Chelsea have Kirby and Fernio Harder and everyone else but obviously you know PSG has Sandy Baltimore has Gayoro has uh Maria Antonica Toto, even Ramona Bachman um she's a very aggressive player and she's good at that so what do you think suits more um Barcelona more in, in these types of games I think um 
just kind of looking over, I was looking over the stats of yesterday and, um, <clears throat> you know, they had, they still had 56% possession, which is obviously still more than the opposition, but, you know, it's almost even. I think, I mean, off the bat in a nutshell, I think what suits them more is when they have the ball more. If they, if they can have the ball control possession and, 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 you know, distributed out in, at their own pace and the way they want to. I think they're more comfortable that way, especially with the players that they have. Patrick playing in that sixth role, I think, is is perfect for that system. But you know, when you're talking about aggressiveness, I was I was again looking back at the stats. They won. You know, Barcelona won 65% of their aerial duels. They won 54% of their tackles. And uh, you know, those are numbers you don't really associate with the Barcelona side, right? I mean, they're you, you don't think of them as this you know this this aggressive tackling. You know, we're gonna we're gonna you know win the ball back with a destroy in midfield. You know, you don't think about that, but they were able to do that against in a crunch game against PSG in the second leg, and I think that contributed to them being able to defend that that two one lead on the night and. But the good thing is when you've got Kira Hamrao and you've got Patri you know, in your side, you've got different options. So you can almost play either or. I'm not, you know, you 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 want to say that yes, they're they're more comfortable controlling the game, but if they really need to sit back and defend, they've got centre backs who can be aggressive, and then they've got Kira Hamrao who can come in and 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 play that and play a similar role. So I think Chelsea will will be a different type of uh, sort of threat. You know, as as we've touched on, it's there. There's a lot more space for the fullbacks. Uh, to come through, but then at the same time, if you're going to be playing uh, Ingle or even Cuthbert might come into midfield just to be that little bit of that, that aggressiveness to put her in there and then disrupt that midfield, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Barcelona will while they have space in one area, say during the wide areas, I think they'll have a, a little bit of a tougher time in midfield just because of the dynamism that's there between G. Leupold, Ingle, Cuthbert, you know whoever is the three end up end up being there. Yeah, and and touching on a bit of that defensive go, Andrea Pereira did get a yellow card in against PSG, and she will miss the final, which is unfortunate timing for Barcelona having to to try something new because Andrea Pereira, Mapileon is the usual centre back pairing. I think you know we can go into that. I know Melanie Serrano has played that centre-back role as well. Even Patri has played that centre-back role as well. Um, but it has just been on a rare occasion. So it, it will be interesting to see what Barcelona do um, because obviously, you know, they have options. You can put in Melanie Serrano, um, Marta Torrejon, who usually plays at um, right-back, can slot into the central defensive role. And then you put Ana Maria Kronorcevic. I think I pronounced that right. You can put her on the wing, or even if they wanted to, they can probably go with the back three, have Patri and Vicky Losada in the middle, or Patri and, and Hamraoui in the middle, and kind of obviously slot have one of them slot into that center defensive um role when they're defending. Um so it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what Barcelona do in this situation to kind of make up for that because that is a really big loss. But Jesse, what are you saying for the final? You know, Barcelona's strengths are very different to Chelsea's. Barcelona have that very Johan Cruyff, Barcelona, you know, philosophy of you defend the best when you have the ball. And Chelsea are kind of the opposite of that. You know, their strength is their attack. So the first thing that they're doing is getting that ball up to their attack. Um, so very, very, very different style of plays. And we mentioned earlier that, you know, PSG have that attack as well. And Barcelona did relatively well to kind of keep them quiet. Um, but then Chelsea have the adding element that they have with three of these players. Um, you know, they don't play as wide as you mentioned earlier. But what are you most worried about when Chelsea go up against this Barcelona side? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fascinating 
matchup because as you say, Barcelona keep the ball really well, but Chelsea counter-attack really well. And, you know, we saw that yesterday, how, how devastating that can be for teams. I think maybe what Chelsea have over this PSG side is a bit more experience. You know, those attacking players are a bit older. Okay, they've not... Well, Penila Hard has been to Champions League finals before. That You know, Kerr and Kirby haven't, but they've played in big games. They very good at taking most of the opportunities that come their way. You know, I think looking back on this Barcelona PSG game, you've got to look at those Katoto chances in the first leg, right? Of almost being like, that's where if you're a PSG fan, you think, damn, that was our moment. But I think in terms of what do I worry about from Barcelona, it's got to be how quickly they can move the ball and especially how quickly they can switch flanks with the ball. I think we've seen... You know, we'll come on to Chelsea's fullbacks later, I'm sure. But we've seen how weak Chelsea can be defending in those areas. And Barcelona, I think, you know, they just play so quickly from left to right. And whoever they put in those positions is so good on the ball. You saw with that second goal, OK, I thought Ashley Lawrence's defending was really poor in that situation. She had no idea where Lika Martins was. But the way Carolina Graham Hansen controls that ball and puts that cross in, you know, those are crosses that we've seen Chelsea concede a lot and these are maybe like the highest quality of those so that would definitely be the worry but then when you look at Barcelona I think the other thing is their set piece defending has been really weak throughout this uh, tournament and that set piece attacking is something that Chelsea's really good at they've got really dominant players in the box whether it's Ericsson and Bright as your classic like central defenders going for the ball or as we've seen someone like Harder making those like clever runs Kerr's good in the air even Kirby scores like a bizarre amount of headed goals so I think it's going to be a really fascinating final because I think both of these teams strengths and weaknesses really match up to each other yeah I want to add on to that in terms of you know I just mentioned that you know Barcelona have that Barcelona, you know, stamped Pep, Johan Cruyff style of play. And what's most fascinating about watching these these type of games when Barcelona play like this is that they have no trouble passing the ball 100 times until they exploit that place, until they get players out of position. Because the whole point of passing the ball around so many times is to keep it until players are out of position, until you find that space to go forward. And we've mentioned that Chelsea's positioning can be a bit sloppy at times. So I think Barcelona are going to have, you know, just as you mentioned, they do switch the ball really, really well, which I don't think Chelsea have had to deal with that just yet in terms of staying put and and following the ball, following the players. It's going to be a lot for them to think about. Um, So it's definitely going to see, you know, obviously Barcelona's strength is their midfield, Chelsea's strength is their attack. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it kind of, the two style plays contradicts itself. But moving on, you know, to Chelsea, Bayern Munich, obviously really happy Jesse and I got to watch this in person. Abdullah, you were missed, I promise. It obviously finished uh, 4-1 for Chelsea, but the scoreline definitely did it. Wasn't the tail of the match because that fourth goal was kind of like an ice hockey game when when the, the goal is, is free and you kind of just have someone slide into the last minute goal. But, you know, the first Chelsea goal was was brilliant. I think it was Manoli Lopez who got the ball just before the, the the half circle and then link up play literally from Kirby just got like one-on-ones, um, like we just wall passes all the way through. Sam Curry did a really good fake at the top of the box, um, fake shot and then slid it in for Kirby really, really well. Frank Kirby with a brilliant finish as usual. 
And that was just in the 10th minute of the game. <laughs> you know, the Barcelona wasn't, I don't think the Barcelona game, game was finished just yet. And then obviously, I mean, can we just take a moment of silence or something for that Sara, um, Sadra, Zadrazil goal? <laughs> Sorry if I butchered that. But I mean, wow. Wow, wow, wow. The, it was, I mean, the technique to keep that down off that bounce, it was wow. I mean, maybe not for your nerves, Jesse, but how good was it to witness that goal in person? Now Chelsea have won the game. I can say that goal was amazing. Um, but at the time, I was like, for fuck's sake, because when your team concedes goals like that and you're just like, there's nothing we could do here. They've just scored like the craziest goal I've ever witnessed. The way the ball goes up and goes down at such speed is just bonkers like initially I thought it'd almost come off Sophie Ingle because it gets so much height on it and then just dips down yeah incredible goal which I can now enjoy for its goodness because it didn't really matter yeah I kind of just looked over to Jesse at that moment and I was like holy crap you saw the color drain out my face and then yeah (laughs) Jesse definitely kicked the kicked the seat in front just a little tap there um but moving on uh G gave Chelsea the lead again uh before halftime a free kick just outside the box it hit the bar and wall and it bounced back to G and she kind of just volleyed it I think she just kind of got it in the direction of the goal not necessarily knowing where it's going to be placed but it was placed perfectly it bounced through everyone. No one reacted to it. The keeper didn't even go for it. It just slid into the back post. And gee, so cute. She was so happy. You like you see her and the only thing you can do is be happy. And then, yeah, Pernille Harder gave Chelsea the win pretty much from a header, which I I think that was also, you know, obviously um, Zadrazil's goal was brilliant, but I think Pernille Harder's run for this goal was superb she just made basically top of the box back post she ended up front post in the small box just in front of the goal and um jess carter obviously put in a brilliant like perfect perfectly weighted ball for Peniel just to kind of redirect it into the back um back of the net and then kirby obviously ended everything in the 95th minute byron keeper went up um to kind of help her team for that last minute um goal and then you know, brilliant pass from Aaron Cuthbert also, and good timing from Fran to stay onside. Um, and then, yeah, so Aaron Cuthbert passed the ball to Kirby, and Kirby just kind of ran and just passed the ball into the back of the net. Seconds later, that's it, done. Emma Hayes is crying. Jesse, was that the match that you expected? I certainly didn't expect it to be quite that crazy. Um, I think when Chelsea went 1-0 up, I was like, this is perfect because I think going into the game, I really felt like Chelsea needed to score within the first 15 minutes just to kind of put their stamp on the game and almost mentally let themselves and Bayern know that they could have an, they could have an advantage, you know, because as soon as Chelsea went 1-0 up, at that point Chelsea were going through on away goals. And I felt like that really like changed the psychology of the game almost immediately. It did feel like in some ways Bayern's heads went down a little bit at that point. Obviously, then the Zadrazil goal was amazing and that was clearly a big boost. But even from then, it it just felt like Chelsea knew they could score. I think the, the way they scored the first goal, the way they were able to move through the Bayern defence... And so classically, you know, we've seen Kerr and Kirby combine like that again and again. It felt like that's what 
didn't happen in the first leg. And it felt like by being able to score that goal, it almost reminded Chelsea that they had this ability and they had this advantage. And actually, you know, none of the other goals were were like that at all, but it just felt like it, it gave Chelsea that boost. Yeah, it, it's kind of fascinating because all four of the goals were like <laughs> so different. Chelsea did get a bit of luck. Yeah, the G goal, I just feel like Ben Hart didn't see it at all. Um, and it felt like G was just way ahead of the wall in noticing the rebound. She just got there first and it, yeah, just went all the way in. And the third goal... I'm I'm convinced this is like fully orchestrated by Magda Eriksson because Jess Carter did like almost all of Chelsea's dead ball um, situations, almost except from that uh, G free kick. And there'd been a couple of them. Laura Benkart had come and collected quite easy from corners. And after the one of those corners, Magda Eriksson went up and whispered something to Jess Carter about the next corner I think it was or next dead ball situation and then before that free kick Magda Eriksson went and whispered to Penila Harder for a couple of minutes before Jess Carter took the free kick so it really for me this whole game was about the importance of Magda Eriksson because I just felt like she orchestrated absolutely everything yeah we'll, we'll get to that one later I don't know this is a question but you know Jesse going off of that point that you know all these goals were so different Abdullah you know we're, we're saying that all these goals are different. What did that say about the second leg? Like how much does that show of what happened in this game? Well, I think one of the quotes that Emma Hayes had leading up to this game was, I'm going to make sure that the players have the game of this season, you know, and I think they well and truly, they well and truly did that. They, they performed out of their skin. I mean, the fact that they scored, you know, four distinct goals shows that, you know, they, they can they can score any type of goal and any doubt, any lingering doubt that people had about Chelsea, you know, from the first leg and kind of before that should kind of just go away now because they've kind of shown that when it really matters, it's it's it they show up. And you know what? This this has almost like a Leon-esque vibe to me. Just, just looking over the last few years, you, you look at them and even when they were, you know, showing, you know, slight shades of ooh. Can they be broken? Kind of like Wolfsburg did 45 minutes into the final, and then they just turned on and they won 3-1 in the final last year. Chelsea, I, I think they're doing the same thing now. I mean, just I mean, the Atletico Madrid game in the round of 16, people were questioning, you know, they're conceding goals, penalties, giving away penalties, they can't string a ball together, you know, they're 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 getting a little bit lucky to win that game, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, fine, sure. There is an element of luck, obviously. There's no doubt about it. But they've kind of shown that they're getting better with each opponent that comes through. And every opponent got harder. And as it got harder, they got better. So it's almost like when it gets to the harder games, they 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 improve. And the goals are just unbelievable. I mean, just – I mean, I was, I was looking back at the goals and hard as – I mean, she was completely unchecked behind the line from the very beginning. And I'm just surprised that why not a single Bayern player – picked her up. It's not like she she left her marker and she went ahead. She was no, she there was no marker. They were marking there. I'm surprised the keeper didn't shout that out and say, you know, somebody keep, keep an eye on her. So I think that was some poor defending from from Bayern there. But I mean the goal itself was fantastic. And then um Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr and Harder seemed I think this is the best game that I've seen them link up with, at least from, from you know, I think from a goal, just the goals perspective. All three of them played a part in, in most of it and oh, they're seamless now. So I think, I think that's scary for Barcelona's defense. Maybe they have to go to a three just to kind of keep that extra protection. Maybe they play Hamraoui and um, and Patri just, just, just to keep it there. But I think uh, as much as, you know, 
Barcelona are going to be comfortable having the ball, maybe not having the ball. I think Chelsea equally, I don't know, they have this, 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 this rugged, dogged determination about them where I feel like if they don't have the ball, they will work for 90 minutes and they will, I think they can come through. So it's going to be a good game, but yeah, this, this team is unbelievable. I think something you just said there, Abdullah, that's really interesting and is maybe my worry for the final is I do feel like for both this Bayern game and this Wolfsburg, the Wolfsburg game in the round before, Chelsea clearly learnt so much from those first legs. It felt like both those first legs, Chelsea really struggled, but in the second leg, they just had the measure of both of those teams. And when... You know, in the game yesterday, I felt worried about Chelsea not going through. It wasn't because I thought Bayern were going to, like, do something amazing that Chelsea hadn't thought of. I thought, you know, this is just a game and, like, flukes can happen. You know, the Zadrazil goal, these things can happen. But it never really felt like Chelsea didn't have control over what was going on. But I think that's the worry with when you get into this single game 90 minute scenario you don't have that opportunity to turn things around you don't have that opportunity to go away and be like okay this is where they picked out the weaknesses how do we fix them and I think that's maybe the advantage Barcelona perhaps have going in this is it doesn't really feel like Chelsea have been able to dominate teams from the get-go in this competition it's taken them the second legs to get there I I definitely agree on that and I think that Barcelona have a good experience playing against Man City leading up to this final because you know you know obviously Chelsea played Atletico Madrid but Atletico Madrid and Barcelona have very very different style plays I think Atletico Madrid is is very similar to an English style play in terms of having that attacking presence and getting the ball up to them as fast as possible um so I think I, I agree Jesse that Barcelona perhaps have a bit an advantage of kind of scoping out Chelsea um ahead of this final um but Another listener question that we'll get into more later, uh, which is obviously about the fullback positions. Uh, but just so you know, you and I kind of observed Carter and Neve Charles on either side and how different they are and how different both of them played throughout the entire match. But obviously, you know, I think Carter had an excellent match on the right side. She did her job really, really well. And certainly, yeah, just playing a bit different to Neve, who likes to attack a bit more. And the second half, definitely, they pushed Pernil harder more out wide, which let, which kind of pushed back Neve a bit more. It was, I mean, we can go about this forever, the tactical changes here and there. Um, and the Liverpool's obviously um, stayed a bit higher in the second half as well. But, you know, how important was either one to null Byron's attack? Because obviously in the first leg, Byron attacked on the wings very, very much. And he didn't see that as much this side. Obviously, Neve, I think, got a beat a couple times on her side. Um, but it definitely wasn't as noticeable and as um, efficient as it was in the first leg. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was a bold choice when I saw that Anderson had been dropped. But I think, it, you know, looking at the game, it was perfect. I think just... From the first moment of Bayern being like, okay, this play you were able to exploit really well in the first leg, they're not there anymore, just to put them off their stride a bit. And then it was interesting because, yeah, as you say, Carter stayed back, was quite defensive still. I thought she was really good. Um, she timed lots of tackles well. She was great at blocking the box. She's, she has all these like very good defensive qualities. I guess the worry with Neve Charles coming in is Neve Charles isn't necessarily a defender. She's played at fullback about four times and all the time she did that was on the right side anyway. So this was really like throwing her in at the deep end. But interestingly, yeah, she still went forward like John Anderson. But for me, what the difference was, was it felt like when Charles was caught out position, she had that, and I said this 
to Alex at the game. I don't know whether it is just the extra burst of speed or the little bit of belief that she should get back. But it felt like when she was caught out position, she was still prepared and able to make up the ground that was there. Whereas sometimes I feel like Jonathan Anderson is just like, oh, that player's gone past me again. Nothing I can do. And kind of lets them go. Whereas there were several times when Eve Charles was quite out of position, but she was still able to get back and make the tackle. And I think made a difference just even mentally. Obviously it's hard because I don't know how much difference having Magda Eriksson back as well helped. But I also thought Charles's 1v1 defending was like pretty exceptional as well, which is a weakness Anderson has too. She tends to like back off a lot and eventually players get around her. So I think it will be really interesting to see if Hayes sticks with Charles in this position. But I thought she had a, a fantastic game. She was definitely a marked improvement on when we've seen Anderson play there. And I think it works quite well, you know, Chelsea having like a slightly more attacking left side and a more defensive right side. Jess Carter's played at centre-back before, so you kind of get this opportunity to like switch almost to this three, three at the back in some ways, like rotate the side round on an angle, as it were. And I, I thought it looked like quite neat, especially with Charles going forward. She's... Again, I think she's better than Anderson, actually, at going forward, especially because I feel like Anderson excels at kind of crossing into the box. And I think we saw the best of Anderson when Beth England plays last season. But I think Charles has a bit more of a forward sensibility. Maybe perhaps she's played there that her combination play, I think, is superior to Anderson's. And I actually think that suits the way this current Chelsea side plays more than Anderson does. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see who plays on the left because whoever does is going to have a bad day because now they have to deal with Caroline Graham Hansen. Um, I think any left back in the world is going to look like they're having a really shit game when they're going up against Caroline Graham Hansen because, my God, she just eats defenders alive. I don't even know how she does it. She's just standing at one point. She does a little over, you know, overcrossed or however you call it on the ball you know she steps shimmies her hips at it a bit and then she's off like if nothing um so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they deal with cgh because obviously on the other side it's mariona or Licky martins as well but i i think you know caroline grand is definitely going to be the the person to stop and it seems impossible so far any team that's tried has not succeeded um but abdullah you know jesse mentioned it before but what do you think that Barca have in hand over Chelsea and vice versa? Yeah, I think um, I think we've pretty much discussed this for the most uh, for the most part. But I think I think the the battle is going to be in the wide areas. I think Barcelona have the better wingers, quote unquote. Uh, you can't see it obviously if we're recording this audio, but uh, you know. But and I think Chelsea will have to worry about how their fullbacks will contend against you know these wingers. I know that they've played against uh, some tough wingers before, but you know we, as we've seen against Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly against Man City a couple of weeks ago, which we obviously talked about with Tim Record in detail. But um, you know we saw that where they really caused some problems to the fullbacks. You know they were getting in behind time and time again, and, and we've seen Wolfsburg, we've seen Bayern in the first leg. These teams have have exposed the fullbacks, you know, positioning, and I think I know Jesse made a really good point with Neem Charles, you know, being able to use her pace or determination, whichever one it was, to get back to position to try and you know close the gap and 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 win the ball back. So I think that'll be important, especially when it comes here. But I think you're probably facing two of the best wingers in the world, you know, whichever combination of them play, um, and especially Graham Hansen in the form that she's in, and I think Leaky Martins keeps her spot, you know, keeps her place with that with that with that brace. 
I think I think Carter will pretty much be defending most of the time. She's not going to move forward anyway. She's a center back, uh, you know, by, by nature. So that, that'll be fine. I worry about left back, at, whether it's Neem Charles or John Anderson, they're going to have to sit, be on the back foot a lot of the game and play on the counter almost, you know. I think that'll be, that'll be key. And I think there's going to need, obviously Ericsson and her and her leadership will be, as we've constantly called it, you know, her, she's going to be important. But I think whoever plays in midfield is going to be equally as important because that player is going to, especially the number six, is going to have to come out and help the fullbacks. They're going to have to double up on these fullbacks to kind of cover the, cover the spaces. And, you know, whether that's Sophie Engel, who's a bit more defensively like she's just going to be anchored to that position she's not going to bother going up too much or maybe you bring in uh you know you, you switch it up and play somebody else but i think i think the wide areas is, is where is that and i think that's where boston i have the upper hand and then chelsea what do they have i think it's tough it's tough and I, but i would say maybe maybe centrally central defense i think i think chelsea might just have the slight upper hand there and being able to maybe keep hermoso and maybe alexia putelas coming from you know coming in late i think they might have a little bit more uh luck over there so i think that's kind of where i'm you know weighing it up yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see because I think something else that Barcelona do so well, where you see Aidana Bonmati, Alexia Putellas and Batri do so well is they overload that central attacking kind of channel. Um, we obviously, Jenny Hermoso, she drops in a lot um, and kind of you find Alexia Putellas in that central striker role just out of nowhere. Um, so it is what you mentioned, Abdullah, it's going to that number six role in that Chelsea you know, lineup is going to be really important because Barca do really well in overloading that. I think Magda and Millie Wright are going to be entertained with Jenny Hermoso, with whoever's up. And then, you know, Alexia Poteas is going to go up in there. But then you have Patrina Aidana Bonmati who can easily strike a ball from outside of the box. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how, you know, first of all, it's going to be the lineups are going to be the first part of that. And then how it plays out and the tactics that are used, because I think this game is going to be a lot about who outsmarts the other more who plays to their strengths and the weaknesses more um, than I think any other match that they've had so far. But we're going to move forward to the listener questions because we will do a preview pod. So we'll save a bit more uh, more tactical and, and lineup kind of choices later. And we'll, we'll play a bit more with that later, but we'll move on to listener questions. listener questions um thank you to everyone who sent one again if you didn't send one what are you doing make sure you're following us on twitter um but we'll get right into it and i think we're gonna start with sophie at arsenal panic just because i love her username (laughs) arsenal panic is a pretty good one to have it's pretty accurate but jesse I'll, i'll throw the first one at you do you think of this is this is a loaded question because it has a lot of thought behind it but do you think Bayern would have won if Ericsson hadn't played yes I do I think Ericsson made all the difference to this Chelsea side she won every ball it felt like that came into the box she was the way she directs that defense like for example there was one point this actually touches on uh, the Charles Carter question where um, Charles had gone up for a corner and there was no one at left back. And then Carter had gone to fill that position and so there was no one at right back. And she was screaming and screaming and screaming for right back, right back, right back until Charles like sprinted across the pitch to take up that position. And I think 
obviously it's hard because I, I wasn't at the first leg. So sometimes these things you don't get picked up on TV. But to me, that just felt like the per- perfect example of how she directs this defense. And I don't think you see that same picking out the gap, you know, making sure it gets filled immediately. And I just think that makes so much difference to the Chelsea side. Yeah, she also got that um, that last minute Bayern corner where Vivian Asayi could have got the winner. Um, it was Magda who threw her body in front of the ball. Um, you saw, you know, kind of Chelsea defenders around just maybe would have gotten caught ball watching if it wasn't for Magda, who's obviously switched on about 110% of the time. And also, I don't think anybody wants to see angry Magda. So just do whatever she says at all times. But Abdullah, uh, we're going to have... Anissa's question at pickle chips. Anissa, is that your favorite food or? But they're asking based on their last performances, what do you think both teams needs to change or maintain for the final? Good question. Pickle chips is a nice random name. So that's, that's always good. Um, what do they need to change or maintain? Well, Chelsea need to maintain their, their, their fullback situation. I think that that played out decently well in the last game. So I think that's, that's always good. No, but for real, I think um, the way the front three at Chelsea were, were so seamless and the way they were able to navigate themselves through Byron's midfield and attack and their link-up play, which they finally started showing really, really well in this game. I think they need to keep that up. Um, I like this balance of, of Carter Charles almost just to make sure, like Jesse said, just a mixture of having this balanced, you know, sort of attacking defensive uh, combination in the wide areas and, and you know, and the, the ability to cover each other, you can almost go into a three at the back, you know, with the right back coming inside and you know, giving Charles more space to push up. And you've got all these possibilities. I think for, for Chelsea, I think it's to keep, it's to keep that sort of momentum and that those sort of tactics going, especially against the uh, Barcelona side that we've said is, is really good at change, switching up plays, changing it from side to side and really being able to move players around with the, with the, with the ball. Um, Barcelona, on the other hand, I think they need to... I think Barcelona they need to bring in a little bit more aggressiveness, I think, in this game. I think we saw we saw it in, in this game. And I think, uh, I mean, with the stats said they won more tackles uh, and they won a lot more of aerial duels. I think if they can, they, I think they should they should bring that back to this game because I think more than anybody else, that is going to play huge dividends for them in this game because it's not going to be you know just just uh, you know possession based football and passing. It's going to need some aggressiveness. It's going to need some uh, some power. And uh, you know, I, I think I think that'll do do them well. Especially, I mean, we know PSG are a, are a physical side, so they were able to match that up. And you know, especially in the first leg, when we saw that they lost out of set pieces. Now I know that they're still not great at them, but the fact that they upped the ante in terms of the aggressiveness, I think that that helped them in the second leg. And Jesse, a two-part kind of question for you from Hadil at HadMM2406. The first part is, uh, which you kind of answered before, but you have a Sophie Ingle element added to it. Um, in terms of Chelsea's increased number of chances in the home leg, would you credit it more to Ericsson creating more confidence in defense or Ingle slotting back into the midfield? And the second part to that question is, is there a narrative forming on Lopez's lack of form without Ingle in the midfield? So I think kind of to summarize that is... Does Ingle affect the Chelsea's midfield and does she affect Leupold's positioning in that midfield? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't think Sophie Ingle's had a great season and I think we kind of saw her drop out of the Chelsea side as a result. You know, we've seen a lot of kind of Leupold's and uh, 
G combinations, especially when there was kind of this period earlier in the season where Emma wanted to play all four of Kirk, Kirby, Harder and England, which she kind of seems to have moved on from this point. I thought restoring her to the midfield worked really well in this scenario. I felt like it did two things. I thought it allowed G to play deeper, but release her of the defensive duties she's had when she's kind of played in, in more of a, a two. It allowed her to move, pick up the ball and move forward with it without really having to worry about positioning. And then also we saw Leupold push up a lot higher at points. It, it looked like she was almost playing that left wing role. And I kind of think that maybe this is what Emma wanted her to do against Man City, but she wasn't, she didn't really seem comfortable with it. Whereas I think again, having Ingle behind her, it gave her that ability to move forward. And I feel like what really stood out to me about this game is that whereas in past Chelsea games, I felt like that diamond, there's been like a diamond midfield who've had to position themselves with each other with kind of harder at the tip, who's had a very free role, but is meant to stay in touch with whatever that trio of midfielders against Bayern. It, it was about their triangle that they were forming and it was more interact as a three, as opposed to, Oh, did I go off? Where did I stop? No, you, you kind of stopped, but you're, you're good. Keep going. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to carry on. When you saw these people as a, you know, playing as a three and working as a triangle and then kind of harder Kerr and Kirby interacting as a three ahead rather than the diamond four and then Kerr and Kirby as a two. And I thought that worked really well it felt like that communication was a lot more natural between the three. Obviously, Ingle and G have played together for ages anyway. I thought Leupold was obviously just really fired up for this game. You know, she was captain of Bayern Munich. I'm sure the last thing she wanted to see was her old team reach Champions League final over her new team. So I think that contributed to her elevated performance. But yeah, I think this whole season, there's been a lot, of changes within this Chelsea side. And it makes sense really that we've seen Hayes trying lots of different things and some of them work and some of them haven't worked. And I feel like we're starting to get to the point where things are are clicking a little bit more and those relationships have built better. And I think that's kind of naturally forming and that's partly what we're seeing here. You know, obviously at the beginning of the season, Emma Hayes was experimenting a lot. You know, Jesse mentioned there that Bethany England was tried. She Emma Hayes tried to squeeze Bethany England into that, you know, front three kind of front four situation. Um, obviously, you know, Ingle and G and Lopez and and the center back, and now uh, Marin mailed it out. You know, she's had to kind of switch a lot of her favorite um, players in those positions. Um, so it's been really interesting to see. But going on to a question by Relatively Football, who is, I think, our favorite podcast other than our own, of course. Um, you know, shout out to Theo and Flo. Absolutely amazing podcast. If you guys want to go check that out. Also, it's at Relatively Foot. Um, but I don't know if it was Theo or Flo who submitted the question, one of them. But I'll have both of you answer this first part of the question is who plays left back, right back for Chelsea in the final? Abdullah, we'll, we'll start with you first. Um, I think I pretty much gave it away in my in, in our explanation, but I think it's Jess Carter and I think Neem Charles. I think now she's that, that performance has played herself into the you know into the starting lineup against uh, against Barcelona. Um, I think her pace, more than anything else, is going to be a huge factor 
against uh, Graham Hansen and, and, and co. Okay, Marta Torreon, depending on whether she moves into a central role or stays stays out wide, she's not going to attack much, and she's she's relatively um, she's relatively uh, you know she's not she's not too quick, but. Um, you know, I think I think the thing that makes sense for for those two to start, and on the other side, I think Carter is going to have to take care of both Licky Martins, and then uh, Leila Ohabi is going to is going to fly forward. You know, that 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 assist from her, the first goal in in that leg in that you know, game against PSG is a testament to that. But yeah, I think those two are going to be my would be my starting fullbacks. Jesse, yeah, I think so too. I think Neve Charles just has shown time and time and again across this season how dependable she can be, which given her age is, you know, like astounding really, but it feels like whatever Hayes has asked her to step up to do, she she looks effortless. You know, the idea that this was kind of really the first time she'd ever played left back and it was in the Champions League semi-final and she never really looked phased. You know, there were points where she made mistakes, but you never thought, oh, this is someone who's like panicking. There were points where I thought actually Carter looked like she was starting to panic. And I thought, you know, Chelsea actually did well around those moments to maybe break up play a bit more, get Carter the opportunity. You know, there were points where it felt like Berenstein was getting to her a bit. And, you know, she got a yellow card. And to be honest, like she proper threw her arm into someone's face. It Like she, there was a possibility that she could have got sent off. But I thought, again, Chelsea's older players kind of managed that situation well. But Charles just looked so calm there and I think given the way Anderson's played it just would feel like a huge risk to drop her back into the side ahead of Charles the only thing I wonder which I don't think we we would see but would be you know if you were maybe looking at which is again something Alex and I talked about before this game but Ingle dropping more back to make a three in central defense whether you'd look to have the natural wing back in Anderson play and just kind of relieve her of her defensive duties. But I just, Emma Hayes obviously isn't looking to play a three at back. And I don't really see that happening. Probably not. Jesse, was it when, when Carter asked for that extra water that you thought she was maybe a bit shaking up? <laughs> yeah, she had to wait about 10 minutes to get some some water. And I don't know if it was Lucasade or some kind of fancier <laughs> sports drink, but she clearly was, uh, she, it was when she was getting Aggie in it. That's yeah. when we were saying she needed some water because she uh, was mouthing off so much. But I think she had like, she did have a, about a 10 minute period where I just thought like she missed a couple of tackles and it felt like she really got in her head but um yeah I feel like Millie Bright and Magda Erickson had her back and they sorted her out and the waterman and the the second part to that relatively football um question Abdullah can whoever wins the final on May 16th go on to have a Leon S streak I was speaking to um, I was speaking to a couple people just just a few days ago and and I was asked the same question and I think I don't think there is a team that can go on and win five Champions Leagues in a row. I think that that is, I think I think it's too early to call. Okay, let me put it this way: I think it's too early to call. I think um, we're going to need to see how these teams perform. Whoever wins it, whether it's Barcelona or Chelsea, how they perform next season, and how they can keep up. You know with the recruitment side of things, with the manager side of things. And if all of this can stay consistent and improve, you know, year on year, yeah, probably you can. But I, I think at the moment, I don't see anybody move going into a Leon-esque, you know, seven Champions Leagues and, um, 
you know, five, five in a row, maybe, you know, maybe eventually five, six champions, leagues down the, you know, staggered across, you know, a six, seven, eight, 10 year period. Sure. But I think five in a row is, is, is a mean feat that I don't think it's going to get replicated anytime soon. Yeah. It's, I think the quality now it's, we've talked about it before that kind of everyone has caught up to Lyon in terms of the money and the recruitment and the quality of players that it's going to be really hard now to, to kind of replicate that because obviously before Lyon, it was Frankfurt. It was the Germans dominating the women's champions league. And I don't think we're going to see that again because there's less disparity between these top teams. And when you, when you see the four semifinalists, you see Barca, PSG, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, they're all equal. I mean, they all have international players, all have world-class players. They all have the money to recruit, you know, they're on another level. So when you look at, when you look at these, like kind of from quarterfinals on, Obviously, there's a bit more disparity, just like the men's champions league. I mean, obviously, you don't have the same quality in the quarterfinals and up as you do in the in the group stages, for example. Um, but now you're starting to see in the women's game that everyone's caught up to Lyon. I think it's going to be really hard to, to kind of replicate that success that we've seen in history. I think, um, but sorry, I was just going to add. Go I think the only thing that might be interesting to see is whether, rather than individual teams, we start to see countries dominate. Which I guess you've seen trends of within the men's game where it feels like certain leagues start to have the upper hand in these European competitions, maybe just because of the quality they play at home. And I think, especially as we move into this format where three teams from each league go through, I think we're going to maybe really start to see the strengths of those individual leagues. And, you know, for example, like I think Man City were really unlucky to draw Barcelona, who I think are the best side in this competition. But if they got a different draw you know, who knows how far they would have got, what that might have looked like. Okay, that if they'd got a different draw, they've had to come against Chelsea. But, you know, I, I think we haven't, what we might start to see is whether, say, the English sides or the German sides, French or Spanish, whoever it is, maybe as those leagues grow and they're used to playing each other, that is actually what pushes on in the, in the Champions League. And going off of what we're just talking about, um, Liam, at Liam, Twit 15R had a question, you know, outside of Barcelona and Chelsea, you know, going off of this kind of new format and kind of a different domination that we're seeing. Um, Abdullah, uh, he's asking, what do Arsenal need to do in the transfer window to compete in the Women's Champions League next year? Oh, what a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, we've talked a lot about Arsenal's problems over the season, you know, ever since we've started recording, we've, we've mentioned so many times about, you know, sometimes they're too predictable. Sometimes they've got the same type of players. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's them, you know, sometimes they're, 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 they're clinical. They'll, they'll beat teams, you know, rank lower than them five, six, seven nil, but then they struggle against the bigger sides. And obviously the first two rounds is going to be, you know, relatively, uh, you know, easier easier for them just because of the quality of the opposition. But then once you start getting to the round, the 16 on, we're just going to get tough. And I think they may need to go and get a couple of, um, I don't want to say experienced players because they've got enough of that. I think they need to get some different different profile of player, you know, from the market this time. I think there are, there are some good names, some free agents available in the market. I think, you know, getting someone who's a little bit more of a destroyer, I think gives them a little bit of steel in midfield, just kind of keep them, you know, keep them tight, keep them, uh, keep them uh, sturdy in midfield. Um, and then, you know, maybe get, um, and, and then just kind of maybe just have a slightly different, 
plan B, you know, give them a different style of play. But I, I don't think, I think from an attacking point of view, I think they've got a lot of firepower. It's just a matter of getting something a little bit different in midfield, just so that when things get a little bit, uh, when they're under pressure, they've got someone there who can help relieve it and uh, because going the other way if the other teams are sitting back and sitting deep yes we've seen them struggle but I think they've got the tools to unlock defenses um, you know going forward I would love to see Katie McCabe go up against Caroline Graham Hansen I'm just going to put that out there that would be a duel to watch um, and but going back to the Bayern Chelsea game and looking on to the final of course um, you know Jesse and I were talking about at the game you know Viv Asayi She's she's a really good player for the French national team in particular, um, but we don't see her as often playing for Bayern Munich as maybe you kind of expected it to be. Um, so another question from Sophie at Arsenal Panic. Would Bayern have been better with Dalman or Asayi starting instead of Schuler? Yeah, I think Asayi's a weird one because I feel like, because she doesn't really feel like she's had a lot of, game time I felt like even when she came on it wasn't quite right and that chance at the end Magda Eriksson's just like more switched on than she is she just doesn't even realize the ball's coming back to her and if she realizes she scores you know the only reason Magda Eriksson gets that block in is because Asayi doesn't really have any idea where the the ball is but I think the Dalman versus Shula one is interesting I feel like because of the general game state, maybe having Dalman as that slightly kind of trickier player early on and then being able to bring on Schuler, who I kind of feel has a bit more like aerial dominance. You know, they were like, Bayern were putting lots of good balls into the box. It just didn't really feel like at that time later in the game, they had really the, the players to attack them in maybe the way they wanted. And I wonder if Schuler would have maybe had a better impact off the bench when that was really their main threat was their their corners and the balls into the box were good. It just didn't really feel like there was anyone there to attack them. So I do wonder if if Darman starting and Shula coming on would have just offered something a bit different, something to, to make Chelsea think a bit more. But I also think Chelsea just did really well to stifle a lot of Bayern's threat. And I think they did really well, especially to push uh, Simone McGall back quite deep. Um, you know, who's like an incredibly creative player, someone who I would have picked out from that Bayern side to, to be really worried about um, going forward. And it didn't really feel like Bayern created a huge amount of chances in open play just generally. And I think that's kind of credit to Chelsea at the end of the day. I don't know how much difference it would have made who, who was playing it just felt like as I said earlier that after that first leg Chelsea had kind of figured Bayern out in 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 the way they figured Wolfsburg out as well and they they'd kind of you know sewn up their issues and it kind of felt like that was that it definitely felt like Bayern not necessarily but I think Chelsea definitely did really really well to shut down Bayern and everything that did well in the first leg uh, it was definitely a completely different a match than it was in the first leg and yeah I think Jesse I agree with you that that kind of I think whoever would have been on it would have been the same story um sort of say because Chelsea defensively did really well to kind of contain Bayern's attack I think this question answers itself um from teen Oxenberg at teen underscore Zinberg how important is perennial harder for Chelsea just go watch that goal that she scored that is how important she is because I don't think any other player would have made that run. 
Um, I don't, I really don't know who else would have just the wits to make that run and be completely alone. Um, obviously, Pernille Harder knows Bayern Munich really, really well playing with, with Wolfsburg. But I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think we have to go much into that question of how important Pernille Harder has been for Chelsea this season. And the last question that we have, another one from Anissa at Pickle Chips, is any starting 11 predictions? But we're going to save that. We're going to fold it up, put it into our pocket, save that for our next episode because we will do a final preview and we'll, we'll kind of focus, obviously this episode is a bit more focused on the semifinal and next one we'll we'll talk more about the final, get more into, into details of what teams need to do tactically of, you know, formations, starting 11s. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of play around with it, but I think what we want to focus on is is mostly the the why of what players need to start against certain players. Um, but stay tuned and we'll talk about that next episode. But we'll leave it at that for today. And we hoped you enjoyed this episode of Box Box W Cell. Well, I think we need to take out the W Cell sometimes because it just doesn't fit in when we're talking about the Champions League. Um, but thank you for listening to this Women's Champions League special edition, I guess we can call it. Um, but make sure you're following our official Twitter account at Box Box W Cell to keep up to date with all information and updates about the podcast. And we will ask more listener questions again, if this is something that listeners you enjoyed. Um, so make sure you're following and make sure you, you're kind of keeping up to date to, with that so you can get questions in. Um, but we will see you soon. And thank you everyone for listening. Cheers guys. Thank you. See you later. Sorry, I can find the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a year since we've been on Zoom. Come on. Hey. <laughs> 